Praise the Lord. Awesome job, guys. Full house up there today. Don't you just love our worship team? Well, this is the third week of a series we've been doing that we have entitled Anonymous. And today, we know that behind every name, how many know that behind every name, there's a story? Well, I'm going to date myself real good with this one. As a child, many years ago, I grew up watching a show called Romper Room. Come on, how many remember it? For me, it was Channel 9, W-O-R, at 11 o'clock, 10 or 11, and I have always remember it was a big deal when I got to stay home from school because I was sick because I could watch Romper Room. How many remember the magic mirror? How many remember Romper Room? How many remember the magic mirror? Oh my goodness, we have a problem. For those of you who don't remember... And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, well, let me just give you a little insight. You have a good day today, friends. Yeah. I did. I had, I had a Superman day. You had a Superman day? Well, I'm glad to hear that. I had a Spider-Man day. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know what? Wait. You know what time it is? It's time for me to see the friends at home in the magic mirror. Romper, bomper, stomper, boo. Tell me, tell me, tell me, do. Magic mirror, tell me today, did all my friends have fun at play? All my friends had fun today. I see David's having a special day today, and Olivia Joy had a special day on Sunday. I see Robin had a special day yesterday, and Dana's having a special day today. And so is Reginald and Edward John and Margaret. And I see, I see Justin and Megan and Courtney and Brick and Mark and Rachel and Sheila and Caroline are all having special days, and Cicely and Ashley and Matthew and Jose. And I see Bonnie and Anthony and Joe had special days yesterday, and so did Tammy and Brandon and Gregory. And of course, friends, you know I see you. And I'll see you again. Now, be honest. If your name was just mentioned, Matthew, Bonnie, Joe, or maybe you're Rachel, David, the, the Trotty boys, Anthony and Gregory, were both mentioned. When your name was mentioned, I, I, I looked at Bonnie, she goes, oh. I remember watching that show, and I couldn't wait for the end to see if Miss Louise would see me through the screen and recognize and call my name Jeff. I didn't know much about technology then. I thought she could actually see through the screen. Well, I'm told today they can see through the screen, but that's a different story. We're, we're not going to go there. But it's, it's special when someone calls your name and you realize that you're not just anonymous. What's even more special 
is for someone to call your name whom you didn't even think knew your name and totally catches you by surprise. In 1982, I was licensed by the Assemblies of God in the District of New Jersey, and Brother Poprosky, some of you remember Brother Poprosky, he was our superintendent. Shortly after I was licensed, I moved down to Virginia. I came back in 1985, and shortly after I came back in 1985, we had a new superintendent, Brother Beretta. Now, for those of you who may not know Brother Beretta, well, the name Beretta says it all. He was like the godfather. He was. He was just a great guy. And I remember I was on the district youth committee, and he had only been the superintendent about two years. I didn't know him. I didn't think he knew me. And I had to go down to a youth committee meeting down to Trenton when our district office was on 88 Federal City Road. And that was the days before intercom, doors locked, and you could just walk right in. So I walked right into the district office, and there was a Judy Fisher would be the receptionist. She would see me. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Judy. How are you? And she goes, you know where you're going? Yeah, I know where I'm going. And I take a left. I, I walk down the hallway, and then you come to this corner. And right at the corner was brothers, uh, the superintendent's office, and I had to take a right down to the conference room. I'm out a quarter of the way down the room, and all of a sudden I said, hey, Phil Hour, come here. So I kind of like to do one of these things. I'm like, when the superintendent calls you by the last name, what do you think? You're in trouble. So I turn around. I'm standing in his doorway. He says, come on in and sit for a minute, Jeff. Not only did he know my last name, but he knew my first name. And for a young minister who didn't think the superintendent even knew who you were, that you were just anonymous, for him to know me and tell me by my first name, come on in, Jeff, and sit down for a while. Have you ever had someone whom you think didn't know you, and all of a sudden they call your name, and it's just like, wow, I'm not anonymous. Last week we talked about how prisoners, or two weeks ago, as we started this series, we talked about how prisoners have numbers, children have names. Last week, Pastor Matt just did an awesome job of how God changes our names. And he went through the Bible and looked at different people who had their names changed. And he also talked about how names determine identity. Names determine identity, and identity determines our destination. And it was so powerful when he started putting name tags on, on himself of, of sometimes names we give ourselves or labels that other people give us such as failure, or addict, or broken. And then he says, but aren't you God, glad God changes names? And you may have been a failure, you may have been broken, you may have been an addict, but when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, all of a sudden your name is chosen Holy priest, that aren't you glad you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that you stand before God as a holy one, as a holy child of his. And if you haven't recognized this, please recognize, and I hope you're realizing, that God loves you, and he knows you by name. 
And the whole point to this whole series of anonymous is that you have a name. God knows your name. And with that, he has given you a purpose. He has given you a talent. He has given you a gift. He has given you a purpose as his child. And that's what we're going to look at today. That's behind every name. There is a story. You can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, the very last chapter of the book of Romans. And if you know your Bible real well, you're probably scratching your head and saying, What? How can you base a sermon on the 16th chapter of Romans where Paul just greets 26 or 27 different people? How, how can you make a sermon out of that? At the close of Paul's letter to the Romans, he just starts greeting all these people. It's one of those passages of scriptures that when you read, you just kind of like, okay, you skim over because you don't think there's really much in it. But I want us to take a look at those names because behind every name, there's a story. And I want you to see that you're not anonymous. Now, what we have to do is get a little background to the church at Rome before you can really appreciate all the names that are mentioned. The church at Rome is believed to have started as a result of the day of Pentecost. Remember in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell? People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they believed that there were Jewish believers who went back to Rome and started a church where there were also Jews and Gentiles as a part of this New Testament church in Rome. Now, in Acts chapter 18, there's a very interesting comment of what took place there in history under Emperor um, Claudius. There was a period when Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And after five years, then he welcomed them back. Well, can you imagine the church where the Jewish believers had to leave for five years? They come back without their influence. Now it's a Gentile influence. How many know that over a period of five years, things can change? Jews came back and all of a sudden the pastor didn't wear a suit and tie. He became more casual. Uh-oh. They no longer sang hymns, they sang some choruses. Well, it was a lot deeper than that. It was a whole theological issue that was taking place. So Paul catches wind of what's taking place in that church that now is divided. And he writes his longest letter. His letter that is so significant. His letter that is so filled with theology. The book of Romans, man, if, if you want to go deep in God, study the book of Romans. So as he's writing to the church at Rome, to his whole purpose behind writing is this. That the church would be unified. 
the church would be united, that the church would not be divided. His whole purpose, as he's in Corinth, it's around A.D. 56, A.D. 57, he's in Corinth trying to take care of that church. He hears the problems at Rome, and he writes this theological discourse to get the people back online to unify the church. And at the end of his letter, it's like he takes out the magic mirror. Romper, romper, stomper, boo. Tell me, tell me, tell me who. And he looks into the fellowship hall at First Assembly of God in Rome. Well, I don't know if it was called that. But he looks into the fellowship hall there in Rome. And he starts to see all the significant people who has made a tremendous impact upon that church. That they were not anonymous. And he starts to mention them by name. And before he starts to mention them by name, he first gives a character reference to whom we believe was the one who carried Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Phoebe. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she's been a great help to many people, including me. Paul is saying, she is a good woman. She's been of great help. Her name means bright and radiant. And I'm vouching for her. She, she is an amazing lady. She, she's even a deacon. Wait, Pastor, it doesn't say deacon, it says servant. Ah, if you look at newer translations, and even at the NIV, older one, you'll see a little footnote. Diakonos is the word for deacon, actually. And, and what really happened is back in the 1500s in the translation of the King James with the culture of that day, man, I, I believe they were having a hard time recognizing a woman as a leader as a deacon. So they put servant, but most newer translations will add deacon or deaconist. And I want to brace yourself. Just, hey, brace yourself right now. Because as we go through this list of those at the church at Rome, there is a lot of credit given to women. A lot of credit given to women. So if you have a problem with that, just sneak out right now. But you're going to see how the women made up a very integral part of that church at Rome. So Paul says, Phoebe, is a, she's a deacon. If you don't like it, deal with it. She's a very admirable woman. And then it goes on to say that, what, she's been... A great help. Well, a great help, what does that mean? She's been a great help. 
Well, if you get into other translations and newer translations, say she's been a benefactor. I looked at the King James succorer, succorer, benefactor, great help. So I looked at the Greek word, and it's prostatis, prostatis. It's where I believe we derive our word status from. And if you do this word study, you'll see that this is word that's used of, of, of dignity. It's, it's used of someone with great influence. It, it's a word that's used back then to, to specify that this woman was, was highly esteemed. The Jews would use it among a wealthy person in the community. And that's why a lot of people think that Phoebe was a businesswoman. Well, Pastor, a businesswoman back in Bible days? Well, what about Lydia? She was a seller of purple who was a businesswoman. She was one of great influence, great success. And as a deacon, she helped many people in the church and many people in the community. But there's one other thing. Not only has she been a great help to many people, Paul says, what? She's been a great help, including who? including me. And what we receive from that or what we perceive from that is her being a woman of influence, a businesswoman, a, a woman of great means of money. We believe that many writers agree that she partnered with Paul as a financial supporter for him to carry the gospel into parts of the world that never heard of Jesus before. She was a mission supporter. A woman of great influence. You know, you sometimes think that maybe that your missions offering doesn't mean a whole lot. You wonder if your missions offering is really making a difference. Does my offering make a difference? Well, I want you to know it does make a difference. And it doesn't go unnoticed. You're not anonymous. God knows. There's a great scripture verse in, in Philippians. Remember when the church at Philippi helped Paul uh, on his missionary's journeys and supported him financially. Paul says, not that I was looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. How many know you have an account in heaven? And what you give, it's not anonymous. God sees what you give for the cause of missions, and he knows your name. He knew Well, he starts looking at others here at the church after giving this character reference. And the first two he mentions is greet Priscilla and Aquila. Anybody have a problem with that? It's a husband and wife. And Priscilla wasn't the man. Priscilla was the woman. Isn't it interesting that he mentions the woman first. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. 
not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. What is Paul saying? Here's a husband and wife that has traveled with me. They have a house church meeting. They're life group leaders. They're taking care of them. They've gone on mission trips with me. They've served with me. They risked their lives for me. Here, Paul says, are two exceptionally committed people. Thank God for committed people in the church. Thank God for those who are exceptionally committed. Thank God for children's church teachers and children's church helpers and youth workers. I, I don't know if you know it, but you talk about exceptional commitment. I hate to start mentioning names, but do you know Lisa Mineri has probably been a youth leader for 22 years in our church? All those intercessory prayer warriors, all the nursery workers, all the Sunday school teachers, all the sound technicians, all the worship team. Thank God for those who are committed, all those who have held positions of deacons, all those I just met Monday night with the 45 and under pastoral advisory committee. Thank God for exceptionally committed people in the church. You're not anonymous. God knows your name. Now, in the six times... In Scripture, where Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned the six times, four of the times Priscilla is always mentioned first. Sorry, Don. <laughs> and that has posed a lot of different theories, comments, and commentaries that why would the woman be mentioned first? Because she was a significant, gifted, anointed woman that Paul just happened to think of her first. Listen, there are some guys that are just behind scenes. And there are some women who have stronger personalities. If you're married to a woman who is a strong personality, would you just start nodding your heads? No, don't do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're married to a woman who's a strong personality, would you just raise your hand? Yes, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. And there's nothing wrong with it. Paul just recognized the gift of Priscilla. And thank God for the ladies in the church. Thank God for the women who have the leadership ability to lead and to teach and to pray and to guide. You know, I often think about this, but you know, most of the intercessory prayer groups are made up of... Women. And what Paul is saying, both male and female, husband and wife, single or married, you are significant to the church. Well, he goes on and introduces us to Epenetus. Greet my dear friend Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the providence 
of Asia. Who was the first one you ever led to the Lord? Who was the first one you ever sat down with and they recited the sinner's prayer in front of you? Listen, I, I can't believe next month is going to be 25 years here. 25 years. And I look back. You know, was, the membership was about 45. And as I look over that original membership list, half the people now have gone home to be with the Lord. Some have moved away. I'm looking out. If you know what, I don't. I just, I just want to do this. If you were here with me 25 years ago, would you just stand for a moment? Who was here just 25 years ago? Yeah, well, bon thank God for Bonnie. Glad she was. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you. For your patience. Thank you for your kindness and your patience in just taking a young pastor who really didn't know much and giving him grace and the ability to develop. You know, and that doesn't go unnoticed. But as the church gets larger, Sometimes, maybe, perhaps, you may not feel as significant or you may miss the one-on-one -on -one times we used to have. Well, I want you to know you're not anonymous. I'm thankful for those who have stuck with me through the 25 years. God bless you. The penitents. Greet Hope, who works hard in the church. Oh, I'm sorry. Greet Mary. who worked very hard. Do you see a pattern here? It's another woman. In fact, as you go through this list, there are three other ladies who are mentioned, all mentioned for their, guess what? Hard work. Now, I looked at this and I said, well, this doesn't say much. Greet Mary who worked very hard. So I did this word study on this hard work. You know what I came up with? Toils hard, labors much, hard work. That's what it means. She may not hold a, towel, a title, but she holds a towel and she wipes the feet of insignificant people. Thank God for the hard workers in the church. Thank God for those who are willing to go down into the trenches without a lot of thanks, without a lot of fanfare. Those who serve faithfully day in and day out. Thank God every church needs hard workers. And I'll tell you what, man, we got some hard workers. We got some people who just give up their time and give up their talent and never complain. I want you to know you're not anonymous. God knows your name and you're a very significant person in this church. Hard workers. 
Well, greet Andronicus and Junius, or Junia. Some will say Junia in their Bibles. Some will say Junius. Guess what? Another husband and wife team, it's believed. Those who were relatives who had been in prison with me. Now, see if you catch this. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. Did you catch it? If this is a husband and wife, what's Paul calling Junius? He's calling her an apostle. Plural. Wow. Let's hear it for the ladies. <laughs> what's an apostle? One who has been called out. Here's a husband and wife team that have gone out to unreached people groups to tell the good news of Jesus Christ and to plant churches among those unreached people groups who were even gone to prison before for preaching the gospel with Paul. They were in Christ even before Paul. And you know what Paul says? You're not anonymous, man. I, I know you guys who are willing to take a risk for the gospel. Andronicus. Junius. Paul says, you knew Christ before I even knew Christ. Here's one for you. All those who knew Christ before 1976. Stand for your feet. If you knew Christ before 1976, look at this. All of you knew Christ before I did, and I'm thankful for you. How's that? You may be seated. And not only that, but when I came to this verse, they're outstanding among the apostles. They're outstanding. Those who were in Christ before I was I started thinking about Ina Woods. Not many remember Ina Woods. Ina Woods came from Lakewood, New Jersey. Came up to the Fort Plains area and started a little Bible study. And out of that Bible study, that's where we are today. Ina Woods just started a little Bible study. Reba Norcross came in and pastored it for a number of... That sounds like a woman. Yeah, it is a woman. I know. That sounds, it is a woman. Started Reba, and Reba was just a, a, a great woman who, who got some land donated and built this little square of a church, and then Quackenbush came in for just a couple years, and then Brother Pierce came for a number, 30-some years. And then Hearts Grove, and then... Roger Yost, all of them were in Christ before I was. All of them pastored before I came. And I thank God for the foundation that they laid. They're not anonymous. God knows their name. Greet Ampli, Ampli, 
Ampliatus. 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 Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Some translations say, who is a great friend. King James says, my beloved. And I'm like, okay, man, Ampliatus. So I started to do a word study on his name. This is what I came up with. It's a name, a common name for a slave. Whoa. The name means enlarged. Some commentaries think that he was a large, big man. Some a slave, some enlarged. Some believe that he's one of the 70 disciples that Jesus sent out in Luke chapter 10. Others make him a bishop. Some make him a member of Caesar's household. What I've read and what I could study is nobody really knows, but some have him great and some have him small. How many know that in this world there are some nobodies and there are some somebodies, but in the church you're never a nobody and you're never a somebody. You're a dear friend beloved by God. And he's saying this to encourage that you may think you're a nobody, but to God you're a somebody. You're not anonymous, and God knows your name. Okay, we have, that's eight, so we have 23 more. Better save it for next week. <laughs> now listen, I'm not going to get as detailed next week. But as I went through this list of names and started to do word studies on all the names, I was fascinated to see who made up the church at Rome. And as Paul looks through his magic mirror there in the fellowship hall, all of a sudden he realizes he sees people, he sees the church. We don't go to church. Did you know that? We are the church. And he sees all these people from different backgrounds. He knows their names. They each have a story. They each has a gift. They've been so significant together in working together despite their differences, despite their different backgrounds. They're unified as the body of Christ and they're building the kingdom of God for his glory and for his honor. And what's Paul reminding us? That none of us are anonymous. He knows our names. We all have a gift and a purpose to use in building his church. Now, how does he close the list? At the end of the list, let me just jump ahead. He says this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. He doesn't say give one another a holy kiss. He says what? Greet one another with a holy kiss. And how do you greet? Hi, I'm Pastor Jeff. Hi, I'm Bob. It's not... The person who sits in the center aisle, one, two, three, four, five, six rows back right on the end. Who is that person? That's Buddy. Hi, Buddy. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
And that's Paul. As he looks at the church and he knows their names and he sees that each one is significant because the purpose and the gift that God has, he says, recognize that you're the family and greet one another by name. Because what? You're not anonymous. You're important in the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me?